Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This episode is episode 335, and we're talking about how to get around New Zealand. Yeah, it's quite timely because we are, in fact, in New Zealand. And we've been getting around it a fair bit over the last little while. We've been uh, in the car all over the North Island, from up in the Bay of Islands, down to the East Coast, and uh, around a little bit of the West Coast as well. Yeah, we've also been planning our trip for later in the year, going down to the South Island. So we've been thinking about transport options. We're not going to have a car there, so we're going to have to have a look at different options for getting around. So yeah, we just thought this would be a good topic since we're here and since it's quite important. Our sponsor for this week is Alliance Global Assistance. If you're planning a trip to New Zealand, don't forget to get travel insurance as part of your preparations. Like we said, we're going to be talking about transport today, and that's something you often buy in advance. Maybe you hire a car, or maybe you book yourself onto a tour or something like that. One of the features of Alliance's insurance is their trip cancellation protection. So that includes reimbursement for non-refundable trip payments, deposits, things like that. And if your trip's interrupted and you have to head home early, the trip interruption protection works in a similar way. So it's all good. So what have we been up to recently? We said we'd been traveling around a lot. We were down in Papamoa for two weeks, uh, house-sitting for a friend of ours, and we got to see heaps of our friends, including... The ones I'm, I'm sure you've heard of us talk about the board game company that we used to own. So we caught up with our friends who live down there who used to own that with us and some other friends as well. This weekend is actually Waitangi Day today, which is kind of New Zealand's national day. We don't have a, a New Zealand day or anything like that. But on the 6th of February, we celebrate the signing of the Treaty of Waitangi, which is a treaty between the local Māori people and the Europeans who came. And it's a document that has a, an interesting history. It's you know, not exactly agreed upon. There are some disagreements about uh, what it meant at the time, what it means now. It's one of these ongoing discussions. So it's a really interesting day. And yeah, we, we celebrate it with the day off. And there are celebrations up in Waitangi, which is up in the Bay of Islands, one of our favorite parts of the country. And yeah, it's a, it's a great day to relax, spend time with friends and think about our country. And in fact, we're hoping to head up there next week with uh, another travel blogger, Sherry Ott from Ottsworld.com. So if all goes to plan, we'll be up in the Bay of Islands and we'll pop in and see Waitangi uh, a week after all of the uh, the pomp and ceremony. Definitely. So this weekend, we actually went away with a group of our friends down to Port Waikato, which was awesome. We just hired a holiday home. We call it a batch. There was a whole group of us there. I think there were 11 of us there at one point. And yeah, we just hung out, played board games, sat in the sun, lay in the sun, went to the beach. I tried to stand up paddleboarding for the first time. It was just a really lovely, relaxing weekend. So we're feeling quite refreshed at the moment and a little bit hot. It's a lovely, beautiful summer's day here at the moment. Well, let's talk about getting around New Zealand because that's our topic for today. That's what the people have paid to come and see. (laughs) First up, definitely New Zealand is a very car-friendly place. In fact, it's a very car-centric place. The cities have not really had much population density over the years, although that's been changing in the last 10 to 15 years. And so it means that traditionally everyone's had a car and everyone's used a car to get pretty much everywhere. So if you're used to a more European style of public transport, prepare to be disappointed Mm -hmm. when you get down to this part of the world. Yeah, we highly recommend getting a car when you come to New Zealand. Either borrow one, which is what we're doing. We're borrowing Craig's sister's car. It's working very well for us. Hire one, buy one. If you're going to be here for, I don't know, more than two months, it might be worth looking into buying a car. 
You can get cheap ones by looking on websites like trademe.co.nz or going to the Auckland Backpacker Car Fair. Or you can even ask your hostel. Some friends of ours run a hostel and there are always backpackers trying to sell cars to other backpackers. So that could be an option as well. So yeah, a car is definitely the best way, whether you buy, hire or borrow. Ride sharing in New Zealand is not very common, but there are quite often kind of ad hoc groups that form around uh, a specific trip. Uh, say, I know that a lot of people in hostels and when I used to teach uh, English second language, there'd always be these ad hoc groups kind of forming and going out for a few weeks. But the kind of more formalized ride sharing that you might get in, uh, I think especially in, in Germany and Spain, we used it heaps in Central America and uh, Mexico as well. That's a bit harder to come by here. Yeah, I did some research about it and I found a couple of websites that say that they do ride sharing, but I couldn't find any rides from where I wanted to go to where I wanted to be. So it's not very dense. It tended to to be more uh, for carpooling. So if you have a regular ride and you're going from the suburb to the city to work every week or something like that, there are some. So if you really are dedicated to looking into ride sharing, there are websites around and yeah, that could be an option, but it's not as, it's not as common as it was in other countries. I guess next to ride sharing is hitchhiking and hitchhiking has also become less and less common in New Zealand over the last few years, although there's still plenty of people to do it. As always with hitchhiking, veer towards safety, take all the normal safety precautions you would no matter where you are. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. Even though New Zealand is a really safe country, I just don't think hitchhiking is a very safe option. So I would go for another option rather than going with hitchhiking. So I mentioned before buying a car, uh, the Auckland Backpacker Fair often has some good deals. There's all sorts of online marketplaces like you might expect. Trade Me is New Zealand's kind of biggest online auction site, the equivalent of a Craigslist or an eBay. So that's a good place to look and asking around for the secondary market at hostels and things like that. Now you can get a semi-reliable car for around 2000 New Zealand dollars. You can get a very reliable car for around 4 or 5. So that is a pretty good budget when you're imagining that, you know, in a couple of months after an extended trip, you're likely going to be able to sell this off again at a fair rate. That's right. When you go to buy a car, we highly recommend you get a check done by the AA, which is the Automobile Association, not something else. So there's a check that, they, that they'll do. I think it's for about $100, and they'll make sure that the car is in good running order. I was going to buy a car about 10, 15 years ago, and I took it in to do this check, and it was not a good car. So uh, they recommended I didn't buy it, and that was $100 very well spent. We also have a system in New Zealand called Warrant of Fitness, and for older cars, they need to be done every six months, and that's done by a mechanic, costs about $30, and they'll just run through a checklist of things to make sure the car is, is roadworthy. So if you're on more of a budget, you could just get a warrant of fitness check done, or if the car's warrant of fitness is up to date, it's probably going to be more or less okay. And either a mechanic or the AA will be able to help you double check that the car is actually in good standing and you're not buying someone else's stolen vehicle or uh, a car that's got a whole lot of debt attached to it. So uh, if you are looking to buy, make sure you check on that, of course. Insurance in New Zealand isn't compulsory, but I'd recommend you get at least third-party insurance. It's pretty cheap even for short term. Just make sure you're staying safe. 
We are members of the AA, which again is the Automobile Association, and they do roadside assistance. Uh, some insurance companies also do a roadside assistance program, but we've just gone with the AA because I've been with them since I was about 16, so we just stick with them. If you're hiring a car, there are some good prices to be found in the off-season, but during summer and during the skiing season, car hire can be pretty pricey. Of course, it's a lot easier and a lot less risky than buying a car, especially for a short trip. Also be aware that petrol in New Zealand is not super cheap. We've actually been pretty happy coming back this time because it's decreased in price a little bit since the last time we were here two and a half years ago. But it is hovering around two New Zealand dollars per litre, which is pretty pricey. Pretty pricey. I, I think in that time, the cost of a barrel of oil has dropped by half mm. and the price of petrol here has dropped by 10%. So... Yeah, still very expensive by most countries' standards. Yeah. Okay, well, let's move on and talk about another way to get around, which is, well, similar to a car in that it's a vehicle that you can hire or buy, and that's a camper van. Uh, we really love small camper vans, like people move a size, you know, like a, a large station wagon, you know, with a high roof, the kind of car that has seven seats, that kind of thing. So a few years ago, we had a spaceship, for, I think it was about three months and what they've done is they've got the two front seats stay the same. And then in the back, there's a, a bed. I think there was also a DVD player. There's a fridge. It's amazing what they can fit into these. But quite a lot of companies do them now, including Juicy and Wicked and some other uh, larger car hire companies as well. They tend to be quite affordable because they don't have all of the bells and whistles. There's no table. There's no toilet. You have to use public toilets or uh, stay in campgrounds or something like that. But we really love them because they drive like a car. And when you're driving around New Zealand, we have so many windy roads, narrow roads. Hundreds of times we've been caught behind that camper van, you know, the slow camper van inching its way up the hill. And I don't ever want to be that person. Yeah, it's nice to be able to step on the accelerator and actually accelerate. So that's why I love those smaller camper vans instead of the big ones. Although, you know, traveling around in winter, it might be a different story because you have a, a lot fewer options for moving around in one of those very compact campers. That's right. I mean, we did have the spaceship over winter. Remember, we went down mm -hmm. to, um, I think it was at the foot of Mount Cook, we parked. And in the morning, we woke up and there was snow on the roof of the car. It was cold, but we were cozy warm. The only problem was, as I said, there was no toilets. So we were parked at a Department of Conservation campsite. and There were toilets that we could use. But that meant we had to leave the car to go to them. So <laughs> and it was chilly. So yeah, Linda just mentioned Department of Conservation, which is a government-run agency, and they have campsites all up and down the country where you pay a nominal fee, normally around $7 per person. Uh, it goes up a little bit in some areas, but yeah, super good value and much better than freedom camping because of the safety and security of the group that is around, and also access to those basic facilities like running water and, and toilets. So you mentioned freedom camping. Now, this is a big issue in New Zealand at the moment, which basically means parking your car or your camper anywhere you like and just, you know, parking for free. Local governments really don't like people doing that. A lot of, in a lot of places, it's illegal. A lot of freedom campers don't have respect for the environment. And so there's rubbish left lying around. People go to the toilet just on the side of the road. It's, it's quite gross. So if you're planning on just parking your camper van somewhere, Make sure you do a bit of research to find out if it's legal to do that. If you decide to park somewhere where it's not legal, at least have some respect. Don't leave your waste lying around because it's really not nice. I mean, New Zealand has this wonderful clean green image and 
we're getting a lot of tourism at the moment, which is great. I'm all for it. But unfortunately, some people aren't behaving in the way we'd quite like them to. One last word on campers and uh, rental cars as well is that if you are a little bit clever, you can get great short-term rental prices if you relocate vehicles, especially from the South Island to the North Island. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you'll pay just a couple of dollars a day plus petrol to move a vehicle from, say, Christchurch or Dunedin and move it up to Auckland. And so this can uh, give you a little bit of a taste of it. Often you're time limited to like three to five days, but they'll pay for your ferry tickets, which are a couple of hundred bucks. And, you know, you really save a lot of money while being able to do a little bit of tiki touring on the way up. Yeah, this is because a lot of people will fly into Auckland, hire a car or a camper, and then drive south towards Christchurch. And if you go the other way, fly into Christchurch and then work your way up, then you've often got quite a lot of good deals on offer. So definitely worth considering. Hey, well, let's talk about the big intercity bus options. Right. So there are two big companies, Mana and Intercity. So Intercity is the one that's been around forever. It's kind of the New Zealand national bus service almost. I don't know if it is the national bus service, but it's the closest thing. And uh, it has routes pretty much all over the country. So if you want to go from one town to another, you should be able to put a route together. The other one is a new one. I'm not exactly sure of all the intricacies of the business, but we first noticed this company when we came back to New Zealand a few years ago, maybe six or seven years ago, and it was called Naked Bus. And they started selling $1 bus fares, similar to uh, Megabus or National Express in the UK. So we were pretty excited about this. We're like, hey, $1 bus fares, that's awesome. So now we've seen buses around that are co-branded Mana and Naked Bus. And my basic research seems to imply that in the North Island, it's Mana, and in the South Island, it's Naked Bus. Yeah, and the cool thing I'm seeing around New Zealand now is that there are a lot more double-decker buses, yeah. which is awesome, and a lot of, uh, and a couple, I was going to say a lot more, but there's a couple of sleeper buses available. Mm. So you can now go Auckland to Wellington with a, a lie-flat sleeper service. Yeah, I mean, that's a, about a six- to eight-hour drive. So. Oh, it's a 10-hour drive. Not when I drive it, probably in a bus. If you're going by car, (laughs) it's a different length of time. So yeah, uh, make sure to book in advance for the best fares. We are now looking at booking some bus fares from Christchurch to Queenstown. Christchurch to Queenstown. And unfortunately, we have missed the best fares. So it's not cheap, unfortunately. We talk about these $1 fares, but then it jumps up to $55. So they are long routes. And as I said, petrol prices are expensive. So don't expect to get good fares all the time, unfortunately. No, and the the more... You can plan around departure and moving dates. The cheaper fares will be. Things don't get cheaper down here. A cool option that combines kind of an intercity bus with an actual experience or a tour are hop-on, hop-off bus tours. So this is a concept that's pretty much worldwide now, but was started up here and you book a ticket for a certain length of time, and then the buses follow a set route, and you're able to jump on and stay on that bus until you want to jump off. And then you can rejoin the bus at a later time. So it means you can go around different towns and cities. The companies have like partner hostels in different places, so they can recommend places to stay that they've already pre-vetted. Yeah, you can kind of hang out with your group and, you know, leave them whenever you feel like it. And what's really good about this option is that it's designed for tourists. So that means it goes to the tourist attractions. 
Uh, some of the other buses tend to only go from city to city, which makes sense because they're kind of a transport option. So if you're trying to see the main sites, then one of these hop-on, hop-off bus tours might be a good choice. There are two main companies to choose from, Stray and Kiwi Experience. Now, Stray is the company that runs spaceships that we talked about earlier, and Craig and I have actually been on a hop-on, hop-off bus tour with them in Southeast Asia. We love them. They're one of our favorite companies. They're really good for kind of people who are looking for a more relaxed, not such a party atmosphere. So that's obviously more of us. If you are looking for a great atmosphere, young people, lots of drinking, having fun, parties, then Kiwi Experience is the one for you. So choose between the two, uh, do some research, find out which one. The routes are pretty similar, to tell you the truth. I believe the prices are pretty similar. So choose based on the kind of experience you want to have. Do you want to have the party experience or do you want to have the more, I don't know, mature experience? Whichever one you like, choose one or the other. There was another player around called Magic Bus, but they seem to have completely disappeared off the face of the earth. So I can't even find out any information about what happened to them. It is a mystery. Although when I clicked on a link that was advertising Magic Bus, I went to Kiwi Experience. Ah, so I don't know if they bought them out or if they there just bought go. the or if they just bought the URL. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But yes, Smooth. you just got those two options these days. So another way, just kind of ramping this up from, from bus to hop on, hop off bus, of course, the other option is a full tour where you jump on, everything's pre-booked, everything's pre-planned, and you just go with the flow that's been set up for you. Yeah. Obviously, there are lots of companies who will do this for you, including Haka, uh, Flying Kiwi, Kontiki has a presence here. There are lots of companies that you can book. You can wait until you arrive in New Zealand and choose your favorite one, or you can book from home, do your research, find the company that you most you feel most comfortable with. As you might have guessed, given that we are called the Indie Travel Podcast, full tours aren't our preferred option. Sometimes they are absolutely 100% the best choice, uh, especially if you don't want to do all the planning, you like things to be organized, if you're a bit unsure about how things are going to go, then yes, go for a full tour. And I mean, New Zealand can be a bit hard to get around on your own, so it's worth considering. But personally, I'd go with a hop-on, hop-off bus tour first. Talking about things we don't really recommend, you can travel around New Zealand by train. You can kind of travel around New Zealand by train. You cannot really travel around New Zealand by train. So there's a route from Auckland to Wellington, and you can cross between the two islands by ferry. And then there used to be a route from Picton, which is where the ferry comes in, down to Christchurch. Unfortunately, Late last year, there were some big earthquakes, and that line was completely damaged, destroyed. I've seen on some websites saying that it's going to be up and running again soon, but pretty much the official word is that no, it doesn't look like it's going to be up and running again anytime soon, so don't plan to go on that route. There is still the third route, which is called the Transalpine, which goes from Christchurch to Greymouth, so across the South Island. And that's a really beautiful day trip, or you can go across, spend the night, and come back again. But yeah, we pretty much only have the two routes. Yeah, that's very much a tourist service for sightseeing and for, you know, a few days rather than any kind of transport service. And the prices reflect that. Yeah. So it's a beautiful experience, but it's very highly costed. Talking to the man in seat 61, who is the guru of all things train related, he said to me that that was his favorite train journey in the world. So the price is probably worth it yeah. if uh, train travel is your thing. If you like traveling by train, then it's wonderful. It's just not the best choice for transport. I've done the trip from Auckland to Wellington. It was a long time ago, but it was absolutely stunning. 
However, be aware that it is not fast. It is much faster to go by car because we only have the one route. It, the train stops at every station. There's no express service and it's pricey. So if you're really into trains, 100% do it. It's wonderful. It's a great experience. It's beautiful. But yeah, it's not the best choice for actual transport. And obviously the fastest and most efficient way to get across the large distances in New Zealand is to fly. And uh, New Zealand is pretty well served in its major centres by airports and airlines. Unfortunately, quite often the airports are not located very near the city. So for example, in Auckland, we have to drive for about half an hour to get to our airport. And uh, it can be quite pricey to get there as well. I think it's about $15 for the airport bus from the airport to the city. We usually get picked up by friends or family. And of course, we're not going into the city. We're going somewhere else entirely into the suburbs. So that's something to consider if you're choosing to fly. You can get quite good deals on flights. Uh, one website to look at is grabaseat.co.nz, which is the Air New Zealand. That's our national flag carrier airline. It has cheap flights there and you just have to spend some time finding the routes and the dates that you, you want, waiting for them to become available. Flying in New Zealand has a really good safety record and service is pretty competitive and pretty good across the board. So if the, the costs and the distance work out for you, then no issues at all with flying around New Zealand. And you can get some pretty stunning scenic views if you fly during the daytime. You've got the wonderful coastline, mountains, everything like that. So I prefer the, the views from a, from a road trip most mm -hmm. of the time. But if you're looking at that Auckland to Wellington and you cut more than half a day off of your travel time, that's pretty significant. Yeah, I think it's most useful when you're changing islands. So if you're going Auckland to Christchurch, Auckland to Queenstown, it can be really useful. And between the main centres, going to the smaller cities can get very expensive, unfortunately. Absolutely. So, of course, if you're looking for flights, you can use a service like Skyscanner or Momondo. In New Zealand and Australia, we often use Webjet, webjet.co.nz. It tends to be quite good down here. I'm not sure why it's better than the other options, but we quite like it. So the last option is one of our favorites, and uh, I kind of have a crazy long-term dream that we'll talk about in a few minutes, but that is to walk, literally to walk the country, or to cycle. Yeah, I think that walking and cycling is best done as kind of a day trip. You know, you drive somewhere, you explore the country, maybe not so much as a form of transport. But, you know, you can do it. For example, a couple of weekends ago, we walked from one side of Auckland to the other. It wouldn't have been that much fun with baggage. But, you know, we did get one from one side to the other. Then we came partway back, got tired and hopped in an Uber. So, you know, it was, it was a good balance. If you are out hiking in the wilderness in New Zealand, be careful. Always let someone know where you're going. Take a good map. Don't rely on your phone. And take a personal locator beacon, which you can rent from all over the place if you're going by yourself. Yeah, if you're going somewhere into the dense bush, then that would be highly recommended. If you're going on a, a well-marked track, then you probably don't need to go quite so deep into that personal security factor. But yeah, definitely worth considering. Now, there's this thing called Tiararoa, which is the long pathway. And it connects the very top of the North Island to the very bottom of the South Island in an interconnected bunch of footpaths, hiking tracks, bypasses, and access negotiated over private land. And it looks absolutely stunning. 
It's 3,000 kilometers, and I am super keen to do it. But it would take several months, obviously. That's a, that's a long way. I mean, it took us six weeks to do 1,000 kilometers in Spain. So we're kind of looking at, yeah, four to five months minimum. Yeah, so we're just, you know, you, you wait for that point in life where you have enough money to walk away from it all for <laughs> six months and just keep walking. It's a bit of a Forrest Gump kind of dream. Eh? <laughs> I think it will be wonderful. I mean, New Zealand is such a beautiful country. I'm really looking forward to seeing more of it. You know, when you walk somewhere, you see it in a different light. It's wonderful. Road cycling and cycle touring in New Zealand is really popular and there's lots of infrastructure around from places to rent, places to buy and get repairs done, all that kind of thing. And there's some pretty good online guides to road cycling around New Zealand with recommended routes and stages. Yeah. If you're planning on cycling, then make sure you do a bit of preparation in advance. It's fine in the cities. Be aware that you can't cycle on the motorways, just like in most most places. Yeah, and there's some cool cycle paths that are being built around the place, which are good for kind of two to five day journeys. So if you're not that interested in, you know, doing the whole thing, but kind of interested in going for a bit of a cycle, there's some great rail trails where they've, you know, taken out old railway lines and put in bike trails and some other custom built pathways, I guess, cycle paths around New Zealand. Yeah, and there are also companies that will take you on a guided cycle as well, or a guided walk. If you want to walk independently, many of the walks around New Zealand are maintained by the Department of Conservation. We are huge fans of the Department of Conservation. So check out doc.govt.nz slash walking and tramping. So that's doc.govt.nz. That's the Department of Conservation website. Thanks again to our sponsor this week, Alliance Global Assistance. Yeah, we firmly believe that New Zealand is a great country and you should definitely go, but you should also definitely get travel insurance because, you know, things do go wrong on a trip. Being prepared is a great start, but obviously having the fallback of travel insurance is absolutely essential. Yeah, especially if you've got connecting flights coming into New Zealand because it's a long way to go without your baggage when that gets misdirected. So check out Alliance's website, that's alliancetravelinsurance.com. And yeah, have a look at their policies and find one that suits you. Well, our plans for the next while are varied and intense. (laughs) Uh, I already mentioned that next week we're going to be catching up with Sherry Ott from Ott's World. Hopefully sometime in February, we're also going to be catching up with Dylan from The Travelling Editor. There are a lot of good people around at the moment and not enough time to hang out with all of them. We're also really excited about hanging out with my family again because we've bought our tickets to Australia and London for later on in the year. So I think we leave at the end of April and arrive in London beginning of May, and then we're going to be in Europe for a few months. And we've also decided to come back to New Zealand for next summer. So we actually bought return flights, which is really unusual for us. We've never done that before. We have, but we didn't intend to use the other half. Remember Ah, we were flying to Argentina and we found really cheap flights. I think it was a thousand New Zealand dollars for return flights to Argentina, which was cheaper than a one-way ticket. So we thought, well, why would we not? So we booked it with just the latest return date we could. And in the end, we decided to come home at that time because it was summer and it was a good time to come home. And and also it was cheaper for us to come home and then get tickets from New Zealand all the way to Europe than it was to go from South America directly to Europe. 
random crazy i couldn't believe it absolutely crazy but anyway this year is shaping up to be one of my favorite kinds of years we have a summer in the south a summer in the north and then a summer in the south again eliminate this winter stuff (laughs) winter is just a terrible terrible idea from the get-go some people like it craig well that's fine yeah they're welcome to they they can like it all they want (laughs) i will happily be in shorts and a t-shirt letting them like it yeah we're actually, Craig is wearing shorts and a t-shirt. I'm wearing um, a summer dress. It's lovely and hot and we're going to go and lie on the balcony, I think. Yeah. There's a glass of wine calling my name. So until next time, travel well.